0: I'm Mark Race, and welcome to this special Halloween episode of my Curious Ghosts and Folklore podcast, where in each episode I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we are going in search of the secret origins of the Welsh Jack-O-Lantern. And the Welsh jack-o'-lantern is a particularly nasty variety of jack-o'-lantern. This is not some cute, cuddly, carved pumpkin, but rather, to quote the newspapers, it is a dreaded ghost. The Welsh jack-o'-lantern is a dreaded ghost, and after listening to this episode, you will be fully prepared to defend yourself from it, just in case it pops up on October the 31st on Norse Kalan Gaev to lure you away, never to be seen again. Now, as regular listeners will know, I am dedicating every episode of this podcast in the month of October to Halloween ghosts and Halloween folklore. This is the second of those episodes. On the last episode, I looked at the entire History of Halloween, ever, well, kind of, and condensed it into a nice little pocket sized podcast. And on that episode, I looked at Halloween traditions and customs from various different places in the world, primarily America and the Celtic nations, and I touched upon the Welsh Halloween, which is known as Norse Kalan Gaia, the night before winter. And Wales, much like its Celtic cousins in Ireland, in Scotland, in Cornwall, in Brittany, in the Isle of Man, had its own way of doing familiar things including their own way of doing jack-o'-lanterns which they would carve from root vegetables usually the most readily available to where they were in the world. So in Ireland for example it was the turnip and when it reached America it became the pumpkin and in Wales it was or is I should say, this tradition has not been entirely replaced by pumpkins. But in Wales, we would traditionally carve the swede. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. As a child, I used to carve a swede each and every October the 31st, each and every Norse Kalangaev. And thank God for America in this respect, because carving a pumpkin is a heck of a lot easier And it doesn't smell half as bad as a swede. And also you can do great things with the insides of pumpkins. But I guess that's more of a discussion for a cookery podcast. And trust me, you you do not want cookery lessons from me so just quickly as mentioned on the last episode this tradition is believed to have started with the celtic nations america made it into a pumpkin and now it is known across the world but back in wales back when people would carve these swedes they were not carved purely for decoration some people think they were used to scare away evil spirits by carrying this eerie looking face you could scare away the evil things but that is just one theory there are lots of ifs and buts And maybes. And in the story I am about to tell you, which was published by the Welsh press in the late 19th century about a jack-o'-lantern, back in the days when a jack-o'-lantern was not something you carried to ward off evil, but rather the jack-o'-lantern was evil itself. And this evil jack-o'-lantern was out to trick unsuspecting travellers into... Well, I, I won't spoil the story quite yet. All will be revealed very soon. You'll find out what exactly people will being tricked into now. But to begin with, let's have a quick look at the name. Because the name in Wales, in Welsh, was not Jack O'Lantern, which is clearly very Irish sounding there, isn't it? Jack O'Lantern, but Jack U Lantern. Now, Jack is in this case, is spelt, as you would normally spell Jack, J-A-C-K. Now, there is no K in the Welsh alphabet, so Jack is also spelt J-A-C occasionally, but in, in this newspaper report, it is spelt in the English way, J-A-C-K. The O is replaced with U, a Y, and in Welsh, Y means the, and lantern is spelt as lantern is spelt in English. So we end up with a name which is Jack the Lantern. -er Jack-er-lantern, Jack the Lantern. A small change, but a change nonetheless. And when I refer to the Welsh Jack-o'-lantern in this story, it will be -er Jack-er-lantern, as the press called it. And back then, the Jack-o'-lantern was seen as a Will-o'-the-Wisp-type character, Almost like a corpse candle, or canoith corf, to give it its correct Welsh name. And corpse candles are one of my favourite pieces of Welsh folklore. Corpse candles and the toily and the phantom funerals and everything that goes with it. And I've got a very special episode dedicated just to corpse candles... Coming on the way very soon. But for the purposes of this episode and for the jack-o'-lantern, I think all we really need to know is that corpse candles were seen as these death omens, omens of death that signified something bad was coming either to the person who saw them or to someone nearby. And the different colours, the different sizes, the different shapes and the speeds and the directions of these corpse candles all had different meanings. So some are quite obvious. The smaller the corpse candle, the younger the person who's going to die, and the number of candles might signify how many people, and so on and so forth. You get the idea. And they appear at night, and they look like the flickering lights of a candle. Hence the name, the corpse candles, looked like just the little top part of the candle. So not, not the wax, but just that flickering light on its own, Float in, usually in more rural places. Although, I mean, this was a century or two ago, but people would see them in the forests and in the dark lanes and the fields at night. And the jack-o'-lantern was said to be either a variety of these things or very closely connected. You would see jack-o'-lantern floating in in the forest at night like a corpse candle but there is one big difference between jack-o'-lantern and these other varieties while the corpse candles in theory could be quite useful i mean don't don't get me wrong they were terrified scary things but by seeing these corpse candles it could spur you into action you could think Oh my God, somebody is going to die quite soon. Let's try and put things right before the the fateful day. Jack-o'-lantern, however, was not trying to pass on any information, useful or otherwise. Jack-o'-lantern was out to get you. It was out to get you and it was going to do it by tricking you, deceiving you into thinking that it was some other creature out there not jack-o'-lantern maybe just the light of a fellow traveler heading in the same direction as you but when you get too close when you go and greet them then well again i'm getting ahead of myself so let's begin at the beginning and let me tell you the story of Jack Ur Lantern. Now, this story takes place near Pontypridd, and indeed, I found it in an old local newspaper called the Pontypridd Chronicle. And this story I originally published in my first book of Welsh ghost stories, a book called Ghosts of Wales accounts from the Victorian archives. So this is indeed a Victorian ghost story, which is, it's one of the long lost ghost stories I managed to find in the old newspapers, in in this case, the Ponterpreet Chronicle. And it was published in November 1898. So just after Halloween, if we, if we assume this was a, a contemporary story which had just happened, this would have happened on or around Halloween and was then published in November of 1898. And when this story was published, the headlines and the article claimed an extraordinary moving light was causing considerable alarm near the old stank pit which was just outside of the town, just outside Pontypreth. And as they often did in these Victorian accounts of ghost stories, they like to stress when the witness is reliable. And in this case, it's not just kids messing around, but this dreaded ghost was seen by a local man who occupied a, and I'm quoting, responsible position. And he solemnly declared that on two nights in succession... So not just once, but on two separate occasions, on two back-to-back nights, he encountered this strange glowing light, which we now know was none other than Jack Lantern. Now, the reporter covering this story does also mention the connections between these sightings and something like Willow the Wisp, they also mention Bendith Amami, one of the Welsh names for the fairy folk, a bit like Tulloith Tig, another Welsh name for the fairies. And he assures us that while this might sound like a fairy story, it was, and I quote, told in all sincerity, and we are convinced that the spectator of the ghostly sight actually saw what he declares he witnessed in that lonely spot when the shades of night had fallen upon the landscape. So the reporter isn't saying that they believe it necessarily, but they certainly believe that this respectable man who encountered it on two separate occasions believes that they are telling the truth. Now, in his account of the first night, he was walking alone at night and carrying a lighted lantern with which to guide the way. Now, just a normal lantern. He wasn't carrying a carved-up jack-o'-lantern or anything. And it was as he was walking through the old stank pit towards Church Village that he happened to gaze into the trees and bushes which grow thickly on each side of the road that he fancied he saw a light in the trees. So he was walking along the path sensibly, but in the trees, in the bushes, in the darkness, there appeared to be a light. Now, while any sensible traveller would also stick to the path, he assumed it must be somebody else heading his way because he could see the light there amongst the trees. And so he paused and waited for his fellow traveller, as he assumed, to catch up with him. But of course, that didn't happen. He waited there with his light and they stood with their light in the trees. Now, the light wasn't perfectly still. And again, I'll quote from the article, but beyond moving up and down and a little way backward and forward, there was no sign of advancing towards the road on the part of the extraordinary character of the peculiar light. So they weren't motionless. It certainly seemed like somebody or something was holding this light because it was swinging almost up and down and back and forth, but it was not coming towards him. He shouted to what he assumed was a man in the wood, but the only response in the stillness of the night was the echo of his own voice in the valley below. Hello there, he cried, and... Hello there, came the answering echo from the surrounding trees. And yes, that was my poor attempt at doing an echo. I don't, I don't really know how you do that in a podcast. Just a bit quieter, I guess. Hello there, hello there. I, I know it's rubbish, but anyway, back to the story. And and I, I like this description. It adds a bit of color to the scene as well. It goes one step further, and hello there, or hello there, came reverberating from the heights of the Garth and the slopes of the Bryn, So this echo was bouncing all around the mountains and hills in that, well, (laughs) I was going to say wonderful Welsh landscape. I mean, it was probably pitch black. So not too wonderful at the time of his encounter. But nevertheless, his voice was just echoing off the Welsh landscape. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. Now, at this point, we can take the man's word for what he says, or we can assume maybe he was being a little bit cowardly. But in his words, he says that he felt inclined to go to the rescue of the possible wayfarer who had lost his way in the wood, but he had an appointment to keep, or he would have explored the mystery. So once again, he shouted, Hello there! before carrying on with his journey. But the silent light only flickered and played and answered not. Now, that man claims he had an appointment that was so urgent he could not walk into the woods to see if this fellow traveller needed help or not. And we'll just have to take his word for it. But what we do know is that as he walked off, that silent flickering light remained there. And when he turned back just to check, sure enough, that light Remained in the woods. But there's a very important point coming up here. And had that man not had an appointment he could not miss, we would not have known this because he quite possibly would have fallen to his death. Because as he looked back at that light, he noticed the dancing light casting a lurid glare upon the overhanging boughs and seemingly hovering on the brink of the old pit so if this light was indeed hanging over the edge of the old mine by following this light in the darkness in the woods he would presumably have plummeted to his doom now this sent a shiver down his spine And as a result, he assumed it must be some kind of of, of corpse candle trying to fool him. At this point, he sped up, he hastened to Church Village, and he stopped at the post office to tell the postmaster, Mr. Bryant, all about the, and I quote, queer vision en route. And it just so happened that this kind of story wasn't that unusual to Mr. Bryant, maybe being that close to the forest and to the old pit. He was familiar with strange goings-on there. But after telling Mr. Bryant the story, Mr. Bryant replied with some of his own. And they were blood-curdling anecdotes of previous ghostly visitations at the Stank. And he suggested the light might possibly be that of the wandering spirit of someone who had fallen or maybe even jumped into the old pit. And what I find quite interesting with that particular anecdote is that regardless of whether or not this was a jack-o'-lantern or not, it could have been the spirit of somebody else who had fallen into the pit and died. So does that suggest they were then doomed to do the same to somebody else? And following that on, If it had been successful in luring this traveller away from the path, does that mean his fate would have been to do the same to the next weary traveller? Well, I guess we'll never know because he was not (laughs) lured in and he did indeed survive to tell the tale. But that was not to be his only encounter with it. As mentioned, he did see this on two consecutive nights and to prove that he was no coward regardless of what i might have said earlier to prove he was no coward he promised the postmaster and the other gentleman who was there at the time he told two witnesses that he would go back the following night to try to fathom the mystery if possible and that is exactly what he did true to his word he walked the same route through the stank pit the very next night. And this time, he had a trick up his sleeve. Because one of the suggestions made is that maybe what he had seen was not a jack-o'-lantern, a corpse candle, will-o'-the-wisp. Rather, it was just the reflection of his own lantern. So, to disprove this theory, as he neared... The same spot on the very next night, he extinguished his own lantern. And as he arrived at that haunted spot, he could see in the midst of the bushy undergrowth of the Stank Avenue once more the faint glimmer of the magic light of Jack Ur Lantern. Yes, this is the big reveal. At this point, he realized he was dealing with Jack. lantern and what follows is his terrifying description the dread prowler of the welsh marches whose flickering gassy beacon often lured the unwary travelers of past generations through bogs and dikes and ditches into the midst of hobgoblins to be frightened into fairy rings to dance for a year and a day or into the presence of of the black being whose cloven hooves, forked tail and horned skull proclaimed him to be the prince of the kingdom of darkness. It was there at Flantwit. Now, (laughs) there was a heck of a lot of name dropping of (laughs) fantastical creatures going on in that quote. But he realised at this point, with his lantern turned off and that light Flickering there, luring him into that dangerous spot. It was trying to pull him into the domain of hobgoblins, maybe? Into fairy rings where he would dance for a year and a day? Or maybe into the clutches ...of the devil, Ur-Diavel himself. And as regular listeners to this podcast will know... ...that devil can be a crafty character in Welsh folklore. And as a quick aside... ...if you would like to know more about the devil in Welsh folklore... Check out episode 2, which is all about the curse of the Swansea Devil. And episode 17, which looked at Devil's Bridge. But back to this episode. And that man in the dark, lonely forest, who has just realised as he crouched there, too scared to breathe, looking at this flickering light... He knew there could be no mistake about it. He knew for certain this was Jack O'Lantern. This was definitely Jack O'Lantern. And the reason he knew this, the reason why he was so certain, is because he knew somebody else who had an encounter with the very same Jack O'Lantern, one of the servants of his father, who told a sad story one day, who had once been led A pretty dance by the self-same jack-o'-lantern. And this is another point I find very interesting. Because while he says on the one hand it was generations ago people were bothered by the jack-o'-lantern. Yet his father's servant had an encounter which presumably would have been in his own lifetime. So as a result of this first-hand testimony he positively declined to follow the dancing phantom light which seemed to beckon him off the high road. Instead, he quite sensibly went onwards again, back towards the village as he had done on the previous night. And when he reached the end of his journey, he told with bated breath the extraordinary tale of the stank ghost, this dreaded jack-o'-lantern. And as a result, the locals were all Recalling similar childhood tales that they had heard in the past. Because surely that's all it was, old stories. It was just something made up to scare children. It couldn't be out in the forests in modern day Wales, could it? Well, apparently it was in 1898. And that is the story of one particular encounter with the jack-o'-lantern on or around halloween Norse kalangayev in the late victorian period all of which is a far cry from the grinning pumpkins and michael myers and everything else that goes with the jack-o'-lantern or jack-o'-lantern nowadays and if you've had any encounters with something similar not necessarily in Wales, anywhere in the world, if you've seen these flickering lights, flickering jack-o'-lanterns, corpse candles, will-o'-the-wisps, whatever they might be. Or maybe you haven't seen them yourself, but you've heard stories. Your father's server has told you all about the time they were led away. In which case, as always... Please let me know on social media. That's the best way to track me down. Or by email, by the website, whatever you prefer. But I'm quite easy to find on all of the main social media platforms. On Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Just do a search for Mark Reese and put the word ghosts in or whales. You'll see my lovely mugshot. And then you can let me know exactly what you think about jack-o'-lantern or anything else that might be in your mind, or or if you just want to say hello, thank you for the story, whatever it is you want to get off your chest, pop along to social media or email and let me know. And as mentioned at the start, this is the second of five Halloween specials on this podcast. And as I am sure is obvious already. I love Halloween. It's my favorite time of year. It's also my busiest time of year. As somebody who who specializes, uh, shall we say, in these more unusual subjects, Well, maybe not this year, 2020 is a bit weird, but every other year, in a normal year, it's when I've got lots of events and interviews and media stuff and all that lined up. I have no idea how things are going to pan out this year, but what I do know is that I still love... Halloween, And that is why I am cramming this podcast with Halloween episodes. One every week, every Thursday, up until Halloween itself. Last week was the history of Halloween. If you want to go back and check that out. Next week is going to be the history of Norse Kalangaev. That is the big one. If you only catch one episode of this podcast all year, make sure it is next week's The History of Norse Kalangayev Halloween in Wales and the best way to make sure you don't miss it or any episode. And notice how I am very seamlessly and sneakily going to shoehorn in a reference to subscribe in here. But as always, if you have enjoyed this episode and you don't want to miss the next one or any episode please consider hitting the subscribe button. It means a lot to me knowing that people are listening and enjoying and that you want more of these episodes. And more importantly, from your point of view, it means you will never miss an episode ever. Because after next week's Norse Kalangayov episode, there are still two more Halloween episodes on the way. The fourth one I am keeping... Top secret for now, sorry to those people who might be hoping to steal my ideas or something, but I'm keeping that one under wraps for now. And the fifth week on October the 29th, two days before Halloween, is going to be the most ambitious, possibly the most ridiculous episode I've ever attempted. But it's going to be my online book launch for my new book, Paranormal Wales, as I've mentioned before, and I won't go on about it now, but my book launch has been cancelled because of the pandemic. It's been cancelled twice because of the pandemic, so I am instead doing an online book launch, which is great because all of my friends from all over the world can join in and listen. All my friends from America, Canada, India, Italy, wherever you are listening from. And I'll have special guests and I'll be picking my favourite, in inverted commas, most haunted places in Wales that you can visit this spooky season. And on that note, it just leaves me to say, as always, thank you very much for listening. Dioch and varion am grander. I hope you're enjoying these Halloween episodes. If not, fear not. November will be here before you know it, and then we'll be into the Christmas episodes. Yes, the Mary Lloyd will soon be on her way, but that's a story for another day. So on that note, until next time, I've been Mark Rice. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast. It's the best. It's the beautiful. It's the only ghosts and folklore podcast beaming to you from Wales to the world. And remember, the next time you find yourself walking through a dark forest late at night with nothing but the flickering candle in a lantern to light the way and you see something glowing, something moving, Amongst the trees, seemingly beckoning you away from the safe path ahead. Maybe that dreaded ghost, Jack the Lantern, is still out there. No star.